From the studios of Teeing It Up, this is Danny Fleck on his weekly spot as we get ready um, for uh, the college football playoff semifinal uh, day on this New Year's Eve, December 31st of 2021. Uh, Teeing It Up with you on a, on a Friday morning. It feels like Saturday. It is a holiday. Friday morning. Um, uh, Danny, good morning. Um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different places we could start with this. Um, I guess I'll go with these two things. Number one, uh, do you think Rutgers has, has a chance today in the Gator Bowl just because they're the team that does not expect to be here? I know this is not the game we're going to talk a ton about. This is not the game that, that, you know, people care about. But I do think for those of us who grew up in the shadows of, of uh, Piscataway, it's an interesting day for Rutgers just because they've never had this big of a spotlight on them uh, when it comes to bowl time. Yeah, I, I've read some things that, that said that like Rutgers is really excited to be playing this game and they're really amped up for it. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously short notice gives them a little bit of a disadvantage uh, getting prepared, but, you know, they've weathered the storm um, of getting through everything on short notice. They've gotten there. They don't seem to have too many issues going on right now. Uh, the problem is that they're 5-7. They're playing one of those most prolific offenses in college football, and they themselves don't have an offense. So it's going to be probably an ugly game, I think, for Rutgers just because of the style of play that they like to they utilize, and on top of that, they don't have the explosiveness to keep up with the Wake Forest team. Because it's obviously a mismatch, you know, not only from a record standpoint, but I think from an execution standpoint. So I, I do think Wake Forest wins uh, pretty easily today. But if you're Rutgers, at the end of the day, what you're saying is that you went to a bowl. And in COVID, some of your best victories are being able to stay healthy and out of trouble. And they've been able to do that all season, uh, and they've been able to be rewarded for it, and they, that shouldn't go unnoticed. Um, hopefully for Rutgers, what it does is it propels them into a situation where they can um, utilize some of the experience and the, the success they've had this year and continue to build on what, they're, what they have there and become a player in the Big Ten so that they can make these types of bowl games more regularly. Uh, but we'll see. I, I think Seattle did a really good job turning that program around. They have, I think, a top 30 recruiting class coming in for 2022. Uh, you know, the, the biggest thing, like, with any college program is they got to find a quarterback. You know, if they find a semi-decent quarterback that can distribute the ball, you know, they'll be able to get some of those athletes on the perimeter, you know, especially in New Jersey. So it, it's just about doing that on their end. But um, as far as the game is concerned, I think they're going to have a tough time. But, like I said, it's a big victory for them just to be there and to of what is the storm of 2021. Uh, do you want to add anything about the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl before we uh, key in on the playoff? Uh, I, I think I like Central Michigan, so I'll, add, I'll say that. That goes against uh, Vegas, which right now has Washington State as a seven-point favorite. I, I mean, these bowl games are tricky. Sometimes you got to look at the teams that 
that are fighting with a chip on their shoulder. You know, we saw, I thought we saw some good games yesterday. You know, South Carolina came out as an 11-point underdog, blew the doors off North Carolina. Uh, Purdue played really exciting football yesterday against Tennessee. Maybe they didn't deserve that win. <laughs> I don't know if anybody saw the end of that game, but... Yeah, that sure seemed like they blew the. Uh, sure seemed like they ruled uh, forward progress way too early on that one. Yeah, so um, that game was exciting. Uh, the, the Peach Bowl was also ugly but exciting. Um, you know, last second touchdown by Michigan State to take the lead and then a pick six to steal it. So we're starting to see a little bit better of a game. You know, come out. You know, I think we'll see. Some good games today, tomorrow, obviously, and then and then we're pretty much done. I know there's a game on Tuesday, but I, I don't know if anything really matters in that game. So, uh, you know, hopefully we close out today and tomorrow on a strong note with the bowl games and, you know, go to the national championship on, uh, was it, the 10th? Um, and close out the season. All right. So, um, here we go. Um, and, and, and this is kind of where I want to start, which is the, which is the betting aspect of things. The line in the Bama game has moved, uh, per, I assume seizures since they have the association with ESPN down to 13 and a half for Bama. This had been 14, 14 and a half Bama. Now it's 13 and a half. What what do you read into that? And from a betting perspective, where are you in this Bama Cincy game? I'm very torn. Um, this season, Bama has not done well as you know, fourteen point plus favorites. You know, Texas A&M, uh, Auburn come to mind. Florida come to mind. You know, those three games they barely cover. They didn't cover, and they lost two of them. Uh, they lost one of them, and could have lost against Florida. Um, their last performance is what we're going off of. Uh, we saw a, a tremendous performance from them. Then you look at historically, Bama is 5-1 in the semifinals, have won by an average of 20.2 points per game, and there has not been an upset in the college football semifinals since 2014, which is Ohio State versus Alabama, who came back from like a 28-7 uh, deficit. From a betting perspective, Everything tells you to take the underdog. 14 points is a lot of points. It's really hard to cover by that much, especially in a competitive game. And, you know, we've seen Bama have some struggles this year covering that, that amount of points. I think the number is the number for a reason. Um, you, you look at the talent on both sides. Yeah, Cincinnati is the fourth-ranked team this year, went undefeated, but they – our group of five team, their quarterback play has been iffy all season. Their offensive line is a bit of a mess. I don't trust their passing game against Alabama. And if you put Cincinnati in a situation where they have to pass the ball, become unbalanced and force things, then you expect that they're going to make some mistakes. I am leaning Alabama in this game at 14 points. And I also like them first half, which is minus 7.5 in most places. Just because I think it's going to take Cincinnati a while to figure things out. I don't know if Desmond Ritter himself can beat them. I don't think outside they have any advantage with their wide receivers. Their offensive line needs to hold up in the trenches against an Alabama front seven that's going to come after them. If Ritter can some plays to speak, I think they can stay in this game. 
but offensively, Cincinnati needs to play A-plus-plus type of football, and I don't know if Alabama is going to let them do it. Danny Flicka with us here on Teeing It Up. Um, here's my, my question from a betting perspective. It's This is one of those games, unlike Georgia-Michigan, which, which we'll get to in a second, this is one of those games where Bama could be looking ahead and come out flat and things just by, you know, coming out with 65 or 75%. We can beat... Uh, Cincinnati versus Cincinnati blowing the doors off them early, coming out with all this excitement. Or flip side, Cincinnati being scared, not being here in the moment, um, and just not feeling comfortable. If it was one or the other, do you go the full game line or that first half line, which you've seen is seven and a half? I like both because I, I think that looking ahead factor isn't as big of a deal because there's no guarantee of next week for either team. So Alabama doesn't even know who they'll be playing if they're the first game. They just have to go out there and take care of business. I think from a preparation standpoint, they're in a good spot. They have a, a you know, one of the things that I hear a lot when I listen to people talk about games is, you know, what's the number of players that you, you would want to have on your team, right? Or the best player at the position. They have the best quarterback, they have the better offensive line, and they have the best wide receiver on the field tomorrow. I mean, tonight. I guess Cincinnati has some good lockdown corners, and their defense has played well, but they haven't really played an offense or a quarterback like Bryce Young. They haven't had to, I think, go punch for punch with the team. And a lot of people can cite the Notre Dame game and be like, well, they took it to Notre Dame. That was in September, and I don't think Alabama, I don't think Cincinnati would have as as easy of a game against Notre Dame if they played them today. I think that both teams have changed tremendously. I think Notre Dame has gotten a ton, a lot better, and, and Cincinnati, I think, peaked in that game and it sort of leveled off just because of the competition they play and the ability for them to kind of go, you know, fifty percent against some of those teams. I just think with Bryce Young back there. And his ability to play make, his ability to get outside the pocket. Uh, Jamison Williams, uh, who I think is going to be the best player on the field, um, you know, going up against some of the top corners in college football, are, are going to make things happen. And I know they don't have Mechie today, which I think is a big loss for them. But this is where some of their other experienced players can come in. I would look at Slay Bolden who is a very underrated slot wide receiver for them to have a big game today. He can work that intermediate part of the field. He's not going to go out on the boundary, so he's not going to be taking up, you know, he's not going to be going up against Kobe Bryant or uh, Sauce Gardner. They're probably going to be looking to bracket uh, Jamison Williams. So this is where a, game, a, a player like Slay Bolding can really control the middle of the field. And they have a big tight end. Uh, Billingsley, I believe, is his last name. Those are the types of players I think that they're going to lean on in this game to open up the field to eventually take those shots they want to take. And then throw in the running game that they have. I know it's been a little bit non-existent this year, but they're going to be able to make some things happen in that running game. And I just think eventually what's going to happen is that the, the speed and the physicality of these players in Alabama are just going to overwhelm the front seven of Cincinnati 
And if Cincinnati can't get off the field on third down, it's going to be really, really difficult for them to, to stay in this game. I don't think their offense is built to come back from, you know, 10, 14 points. But once you get in that situation, I think the game starts to unravel a little bit. I do, I do think Alabama comes out fast and, and forces Cincinnati to play a game that they're not comfortable with. But the question is, can Cincinnati withstand that, that pressure? And I don't think they will. I, I just think it's going to be a tough game for Cincinnati. I, I don't think they have an advantage at any, at any position on the field except for the quarterback, and I think Alabama will figure out a way to negate that. It's going to be very interesting to see how this group of five team, because the, the other thing, too, which we haven't really talked about, Danny, is I feel like Bama's been here. They have a routine. They have timing. <clears throat> they've been the early game. They've been the late game. They, they, they kind of know where they're navigating here. Cincinnati, I think, almost feels like they're an ambassador for the group of five. Like they're representing all these other schools. Um, and that's a very unique place to be. And it could be a very uncomfortable place to be at. And I almost feel like for Cincinnati to be competitive, they have to stay within themselves and just realize that they're representing the Cincinnati Bearcats. I think if they try to realize that they're representing the group of five and are trying to make a statement, that's when you can try to force some balls into triple coverage and just make some mistakes. And that's where the genius of Saban can you know really come in handy so i think that's another thing to watch out for today which is does cincinnati look like they're forcing it and look like this burden of being the group of five representative not work um that could definitely have a say in in who wins this game as well um danny flecka with us here on on teeing it up Let's shift to Georgia-Michigan. That line, as of this morning, is seven and a half. You're feeling on that line. Uh, 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 sorry, seven and a half towards Georgia. I think it's about right. Um, you know, I like what Michigan has done this year. I've been on Michigan in a lot of betting angles a lot this year. I've liked them in a lot of games they've played. I thought they've been undervalued a little bit. I think that their style translates to play against any team that, that we see in college football. Um, you know, Georgia has been dominant this year. Their defense has been really, really good. I'm not taking anything away from that defense. But my question in this game is, what happens now when Georgia plays another team that can match them on the defensive side of the ball? And that's what Michigan can do. Their defensive line can make this game very, very ugly. I think that they'll be able to, to limit the, pat, the the run game. They have two great defensive ends that will be able to get after Stenson Bennett. And you have a quarterback in Stenson Bennett that I don't fully trust backing as a, as a better, as a favorite. I don't think he is able to make that killer play that is needed in these types of games, especially when you need to cover over a touchdown. If the game is 10 points, say in the fourth quarter, and they have a big third down, you know, do you trust them to make that, that completion? I don't. So I like Michigan plus seven and a half. I'd even sprinkle a little bit on the money line uh, on Michigan in this game. I just think that their physicality on both sides of the ball are going to be able to match what Georgia brings. 
I don't think they're going to go into this game afraid. I do think they have the better quarterback, but but not by much because I don't know if Kate McNamara either has like that killer instinct that that we need to have in these types of games. But I think they're going to play a control type of game. This game is going to be one between the twenties, and I know that sounds odd. We always hear about red zone football and how you have to convert inside the red zone. But I think whichever team limits the explosive type of plays, both in the run game and the pass game, is going to win this game and dictate field position, which I think is highly important in this game. The field position is what's going to really swing the game one way or the other. And obviously you have turnovers in there as well. But I think whatever defense controls that middle part of the field and gives their offense the advantage and field position is going to win this game. And... Georgia's defensive line is phenomenal. Uh, Michigan's defensive line is really, really good. Which of those is going to step up today and make the plays? And I think at the end of the day, with two defensive edge rushers like Michigan has, getting Georgia into some situations where they're in third and long, they're in obvious passing down, might be an advantage for Michigan. Now, now, there's one thing we have to take in mind with Michigan. They could be out one of their top safeties. Uh, last I read, he wasn't in Miami. Uh, not, yeah, he wasn't in Miami. I don't know if he's going to be. Mr. Hill, uh, is is that who you're referring to? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Marty Smith reported this morning on College Game Day. And, and by the way, folks, we are recording this at 9.46 a.m., so if things change, um, don't blame us. Um, Marty Smith, reporter on College Game Day, he is in Miami. He is with the team. He is still a game-time decision. So his presence in Miami does not necessarily mean that he is a go, but he is now with the team in Miami. Yeah, so he's a big piece uh, for them, especially covering, I think, probably Georgia's best offensive weapon in their tight end. So... You know, that, that's definitely something to keep in mind when, when, when taking this game. But this is the game I think I'm comfortable backing the underdog. Seven and a half points, I think, is a lot of points in this game. I think it's going to be a very, very tight game. Uh, one possession game probably throughout. If Michigan can get ahead, then I think they're in the clear because I think Georgia is going to have to do things they're not comfortable with, and that is passing the ball. And we kind of saw what happened in the FEC championship game when uh, they were down and they had to go to the pass, what, what that looked like. So I'm taking Michigan in this game. I'm also going to sprinkle some money on them as an outright winner. It doesn't that value. You know, if there's going to be an upset today, I think that's going to be the one. Um, so that's the angle I'm taking today. You and me have done a 1,000 NFL podcasts where all we talk about is can – Leonard Fournette, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, you name the running back, run it, run it, run it, and shorten the game. And you look at uh, uh, you you look at Hassan Haskins here for Michigan, and on paper, this would be run Haskins over and over and over again, try to shorten the game and try to keep it out of the uh, Georgia offense's hands. Can this be done with how prolific this Georgia defense is? How prolific this Georgia defensive line specifically is? You know, so many people said in the run-up to the Heisman that the best player before Bryce Young went crazy for Bama, the, the best players this year in college football are the Georgia defense. Can you give it to an entire, you know, defensive squad? Because there isn't just one guy on that Georgia defense that gets it done. 
Is this a game where Michigan is going to be able to run Haskins enough to shorten it like we talk about with NFL running backs? I think it's going to be tough. I think if I'm Michigan, I'm looking to utilize the run game to set up my pass game. They have big tight ends that I think can create mismatches for them with the linebackers of Georgia. That's where I would be attacking is that is that second level, you know, that 10 to 15-yard pass route with these tight ends, those seam routes, those intermediate dig routes, the, the short stick routes that these tight ends run. That's what I would be looking to do, um, you know, let this defensive line come at you. Hold them off. You have a good offensive line. You know, roll out. Um, do some bootleg passes. You know, contain the edges and utilize those tight ends in that intermediary route. And then utilize that to open up the back end and, and take your shots when necessary. Um, I also think with, like, ultra-aggressive defenses, one play that's not utilized enough are screen plays. And I'm not talking about that bubble screen or that wide receiver screen where you throw it out to the edge and you and you look to, you know, get blocks on the edge. I'm talking about, like, those tight end screens and those running back screens right in the hash where you get those big guys out in front of you and you run behind them. If Michigan can sprinkle those plays in and utilize their tight ends, they can move the ball, I think, against Georgia. They don't have the speed or the athletes on the outside to take advantage of maybe some of the deficiencies of this Georgia team, but if they utilize their strengths and run behind their offensive line and then get behind those big tight ends on some short plays, I think they can, you know, what's that saying, death by a million paper cuts? Um, they can utilize some of that type of game plan against this Georgia team and, and see what they can do. Um, you know, they have some good players. They just got to be able to take advantage of what they have and, and go from there. Danny Flecko with us here on Teeing It Up. All right, let's um, switch gears here for a second. Um, for anybody who's looking ahead to tomorrow for New Year's Day and wants to put in their bets today, you look at the Rose Bowl, Ohio State's got a whole bunch of people opting out. Are there any games tomorrow, New Year's Day, that whet your appetite in the sense that you think they could be the on-paper matchup that um, we, we think it could be? With the caveat that any one of these games, and, and we saw it with um, what happened in the Holiday Bowl, any one of these games could hypothetically be canceled on a moment's notice uh, just because of all the different you know, um, um, it, protocols that are in place from all these different conferences. It's a whole different... Incredible fish, folks. When 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 you get out of the New Year's Six and you get out of the playoff, folks running these events, and then you get back to the conferences and get back to organizing committees. It's it's a wild, wild west in terms of of trying to get the, these games kicked off. Are there any games tomorrow that, at least as of now, whet your appetite? Yeah, I like Notre Dame a lot tomorrow. Um, I just think they're the better team. I, I don't think Oklahoma State is. An eleven and one or whatever you know their record is team. Their offense is kind of blah. I think Notre Dame is going to be really fired up to be in this game tomorrow, uh, especially with the new coach that is trying to build something there. Yeah. I like Arkansas tomorrow. Penn State lost a lot of talent with opt outs. They aren't really explosive on offense. And again, I think Arkansas is going to be really excited to be playing on New Year's Day. 
And I like Ohio State. Um, yeah, they have a ton of opt-outs, uh, but I think what people forget with Ohio State is that they just plug and play people. They're wide receivers that are going to be taking the spots of, of the individuals that are, are out, are five-star recruits. Uh, they still have that um, Smith and Jigba pl- uh, individual playing. And then Marvin Harrison Jr. is a, a five-star wide receiver that didn't play at all this year. So they still have tremendous talent on the perimeter. Um, and I just think Utah doesn't have enough to keep up with them. And, and Utah's been a great story this year. And I'm sure they're going to come out and play hard. But I do think that that number has been very, very, um, you know, I guess affected by the opt-outs. And I still think Ohio State just has so much talent on that team that, that we don't even know about just because of what's in front of them. So I, I like those three teams tomorrow in those games. We're going to talk way more about NFL week um 17 uh, later this weekend, but I, I saw this and had to run it by you because it's, it, it, it's an amazing stat as we do our customary little momentary uh, random switch of gears. Do you know that in the last 10 years, Tom Brady has as many wins at MetLife Stadium, eight against the Jets and Giants, as any Jets quarterback that includes Sam Darnold, Fitzpatrick, Geno Smith, so, so Tom Brady is the winningest Jet quarterback in the last 10 years at home. <laughs> like, that's yeah. just astounding. That is astounding ineptitude at the quarterback position from the Jets. I know Giants. I mean, the most pathetic two teams that we probably have in the NFL right now, and that's coming from a Jets and Giants fan, so... It, it doesn't include the Giants. This is just Jets quarterbacks. Oh, well, I mean, they're both pretty pathetic though, yeah. in the day, so... It's two games versus the Giants, but it's not Giants quarterbacks. Um, it's just wild. It's, it's just crazy. Okay, shifting back to, to the college football playoff. We've talked about betting. We've talked about your keys. You've hinted that you like Michigan outright, but now you have to get it on record. Who do you like in Alabama, Cincinnati? This is not betting. This is actually who's going to win the football game. I like Alabama. I, again, I just think they're too much. I think they'll come out early, and the second I think Cincinnati gets down, I, I think it's going to be really difficult for them. I, I think that game is probably 35-17, um, and Alabama, you know, cruises to to a spot that they pretty much have reserved every single year i for my money i i i think bama wins big but i would not be surprised if there's like a seven nothing or three nothing or ten nothing type lead for cincinnati bama's been a slow starter at times this year um they've been in way too many games late this is not your prototypical bama team i know they're number one Seeding-wise, would not be surprised, even though it's such a mismatch for Cincinnati to be there. I don't think they're going to win the national championship game. I think whoever comes out of the Orange Bowl is going to be the winner. Um, but I'm, I'm, that's just my two cents, that I really think that it's going to be whoever comes out of that game winning. And I think Bama's going to have a hard slog in two weeks, which we'll talk about um, then when when we get to the title game. Um, but you and I are both in alignment here when it comes to Bama. Now, Michigan, Georgia. Uh, this is tough. I, I think if Michigan plays the type of game 
in my mind I'm envisioning, I think they win this game. Uh, I just think Georgia at the quarterback position might be a little disappointed with what they get from a performance standpoint. Uh, I'll take Michigan here. Like I said, I like them plus seven and a half, and I like them money line. Um, you know, if anybody has uh, Georgia futures, I'm one of them. I have a Georgia future to win the national championship game. I'm going to hedge a little bit and throw some money on Michigan. That way, you know, one way or the other, I still end up with an, with a dog in um, in the fight and some money in my pocket, hopefully. So. I think Michigan wins this game, and I think it's a 24 to 21 game. Uh, that would be a dream for ESPN. <laughs> if, if it's that close, we've had some very lopsided semifinal games over the years. Um, so that that would be a dream. And everybody, wa- and everybody wants to expand them. So I mean, at the end of the day, we're going to get the, the best teams in there, and I think sometimes. What we see in these games is just too big of a contrast in styles, um, and I do think the Georgia-Michigan game is more of a, I, what do you want, I, I guess. It, it, it seems like two more evenly matched teams, and it's not one versus the other, or it's not you know passing versus running where, where some team can just run the clock out on on the other or one team has two interceptions and the game's over because they don't have another dimension to go to these two teams i i think are built very similarly and thus it could lead to a very tight game i i agree with that it's like for like in that game That's yeah why i think it's going to be close and uh at the end of the day i'll take the the team with just a little bit more explosiveness and the slightly better quarterback I, I think what you and I are trying to say is that if this is the game that's, you know, 42 to, you know, 20 or something, or is, you know, 35-17, that would be a shocker. Um, it, it, it should be the other game, not this game. Um, I think ultimately the moment's too big for Jim Harbaugh and Georgia gets a victory. I could, I mean, it's going to be... This is a coin flip. Even with the seven and a half point spread, I still think it's a coin flip. So, and I, it could I, come I would, down to the coin flip, and ultimately, who heads the ball last? It actually, it's not only a a, a, a a proverbial coin flip; it could be a literal coin flip. Agreed. I think I just want an exciting game, like you've mentioned. We have had seen too many games that have not been competitive in these in these atmospheres. Just want. You know, one good game. I don't want. I don't need two. I just want one good game. Exactly. Danny Flicker with us here on Teeing It Up. Enjoy your New Year's and enjoy your college football playoff semifinal Friday. And we will see you over the weekend, folks. Have a great New Year's Eve. Stay safe, everybody. <laughs>